The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is no substitute for professional care by your doctor or your qualified healthcare professional. Never disregard or delay professional medical advice because of something you've heard on this podcast or in any linked material. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. Dr. Shirley neither endorses nor opposes any particular opinion discussed on this podcast. The views expressed on this podcast have no relation to those of any academic, hospital, practice, institution, or other entity with which Dr. Shirley may be affiliated. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty. This podcast is curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD, as the definitive source of holistic wellness through beauty. Welcome back to part two of the Forever Fab podcast with my guest, Leona Dondi, founder of Uzima. Leona, you worked both at Google and Netflix. How did those experiences help you in your business of creating a product line? Yeah, so I think in both. So when I, Google was my first um, user research job and I, I got that job at first to run a marketing survey, which is what I had been doing um, in my previous role. And I made it a point to tell my manager that I really wanted to learn this, you know, user experience stuff. It really called to me. I was really interested in in this work. And so I really learned a lot there. Um, the, the people that I was around in, you know, Google's, you know, top secret lab were, like one of one, like super geniuses who were <laughs> hired to do this one, you know, really unique thing that no one had done before, right? So I worked on Google Glass um, ahead of its time, maybe. Um, but <laughs> you, you might remember Google Glass. I worked on uh, some drones projects, things that I just didn't actually conceive existed right um and what yes. i learned at google is there were you know it wasn't just search and it wasn't just youtube but there were these other groups that were doing kind of research about problems 10 years from now right and wow. that's i think got me in the in the kind of mindset of problem solving right because mm -hmm. we don't have an audience yet we just have this idea that we think is going to solve a world problem intended in the future right <laughs> right and so how do you do research to understand how to create that that product right um or that solution or that service or whatever it is and so that was a really great kind of first experience for me because yes. there was so much learning so not only was i learning about tech and product development i was also learning about how engineers work and how PMs work and how um, design and industrial design and marketing all kind of work together. And so um, that was a very, very um, formative experience for me. And then throughout my career, ended up ending up in, at Netflix, which has been kind of, you know, honestly, 
my dream job um, in the corporate world <laughs> um, <laughs> where where I have all of this freedom to do the research that I think Netflix needs, right? Mm. Um, it's It's very kind of liberating to have, to be part of a team that has this much kind of um, power at the at this at the seat of the table of a global company, yeah. um, and so the researchers um, at Netflix, we I mean we're so lucky in that we really get to influence and affect the direction of the company, both in terms of understanding where the revenue is coming from. Um, so I worked a lot on the growth team. In the partnerships team at Netflix to understand who are going to be our next users. How do we reach them? How do we speak to them? What do they need? Um, and in all of my my tech career, I've worked in projects that were almost almost all of the work that I've done has really been forward thinking. Who yes. are the next things? Who are who are what are the next solutions? What are the um, next people we want to to reach? And in thinking that way, especially and not just you know improving experiences, but in thinking about how do we materially improve the business, right? How do we get more revenue? Um, the work that I've done at Netflix has really is really where I kind of built the beginnings of the way I, I think of um, entrepreneurship. In watching the 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 culture at Netflix is very kind of open and transparent. I have access to the C level people. Um, I have access to everyone really, and I can ask these questions. I can learn from everyone um, around me, and I think that environment is really what propelled kind of how I started to think more as a business person than very interesting. than than um someone who's starting a business right right which i think is 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 different because i know yes. those two modes someone who's starting a business may not know all of the things that they need to know and i still don't but a business person starts to think really about kind of who the customer is what problem am i solving and how do i make enough money to continue solving this problem, right? Exactly. Um, that's the critical and, part too. <laughs> right. Because because that's that's what's gonna drive you. If you think you can't you can no longer solve this problem um, that you're trying to solve for people and you can no longer make those lives better. And so at Netflix, because everything really revolves around how do we how do we make the business keep going? so mm. that we fulfill our mission right that's that's really the the way i've started to think about my business so i don't think about um you know when i'm spending time on something i translate that to money um yes. in, in in many cases really quantifying how much time am i spending because i that's money i'm spending how am that's i right. doing that and how am i being um uh as as flexible, as nimble as I can. Um, and those kinds of attitudes and the way I started to think about um, business in that way really came about in at Netflix. And I credit a lot of that 
learning to all of the teams that I worked with at Netflix, um, not just the work that I did, but understanding the people who are doing financial planning. Yes. How do we how do how do we understand how we're doing and how we project to be doing? The people who are doing um, content planning. While I don't work on the content team, it's really interesting to see how they think about when content is going to land and how do we plan around that. All of these different pieces of the business that when you're thinking, when I was thinking as a person who's bringing a brand to market, um, I was really just thinking about the product and the, um, mm. and the design of the product. Right. Um, and it's really at Netflix that then I started to think not just about the product and the design of the product, but also about the financial side of the business and, you know, really gaining more confidence. Am I an accountant? Am I super great at this now? No, but <laughs> at least I know where to be looking and I know right. where I, I need to get help to understand different things about my business. And for me, that's a huge, huge, huge advantage from where Absolutely. I was um, before. Absolutely. I mean, you, it sounds as if this experience, both actually both experiences at Google and at Netflix have been extremely valuable to where you are now and today. And thinking about Netflix, in, in my own mind, I wouldn't have thought that Netflix has a research you know, division. But of, course, <laughs> but of course, it it makes absolute sense. I mean, people have to figure out, is this working? For whom is it working? Is it one side? Is the consumer happy? Oh, and by the way, are we making money? Hello. So we can keep you know, doing this thing that we all love to do. Um, and those are very important questions that you learned. If perhaps you didn't answer them, as you mentioned, sure, maybe you didn't answer them. But the fact that you know that these questions, A, exist, and B, have to be answered, and finally, C, you have access to how you can get those questions resolved, I think is absolutely um, advantageous and beneficial and, frankly, just straight up lucky. And I also love that you mentioned, you know, two things, two F words, and we at Forever Fab love F words, <laughs> forward, <laughs> forward thinking and freedom. And those, especially for me, freedom is such a powerful word. And then forward thinking is not something that many of us think about because we're so, we're often taught, don't think about the past, it's gone. You know, just think about your present, just focus on the present moment. And this is true, but you mentioned a very important point, which is people who help to solve problems and people who do research are not only thinking about solving current problems, but especially as a business person, you have to anticipate what future problems may be. And it's just so much to think about, but yeah. you are thinking about it. You've started to answer some of those questions and they, and all of your efforts have brought you to Uzima. So what does Uzima mean? How did you choose to name your products? I have a feeling your Kenyan culture is going to come in here. So talk about yes. it. <laughs> yes. So I always knew that I wanted to have a Swahili name for my brand. Um, mm -hmm. And I wanted to think about like, w what should the brand mean? And I named my brand, lots of things. So when I decided in 2011 is when I decided I would bring a product to market. I would mm -hmm. create a hairline. I'm starting to work on, on my business. And then that kind of got um, sidetracked when I got into tech and started building my career there. So I continued learning, but then not really 
you know, working on launching a business. And I named my brand um, in, in 2011. That was uh, when I, I first signed for, uh, I registered my business with the, with the city of Seattle, um, which is where I was living at the time. Okay. And Sounds like a tech Uzima. hub. <laughs> <laughs> and Uzima means full of life in Swahili. It means oh, beautiful. many things, but it, the meaning I choose to, to use is full of life. But it means vitality. It means wellness. It means good health. Wonderful. And all of those things are, are really what my kind of my brand embodies, right? Mm-hmm. I when I was thinking about the first tagline I thought about when I when I picked Uzima, and for, for me, Uzima came I'm not gonna say in a dream because I don't actually remember like what what then told me, okay, it will be Uzima, right? Wow. Um but it it felt that what I wanted to do was bring life to your curls, right? Or to your coils, to your curls. At the time in 2011 and kind of the, the late early 2000s, when the natural movement was kind of in full swing, we're all mm-hmm. going natural products, not conventional products, completely natural. And um, I got this sense that uh, a lot of us, because, and, and at the same time, we were going to, for natural products and we we're also going to natural hair, right? We we're chopping off our relaxers. We were saying no more straightening. And there was a lot of struggle in the community and a lot of fighting, um, a lot of um, curl supremacy, <laughs> as, <laughs> as some people would call it. Right. Um, and a lot of judgment around women who choose to wear their hair naturally. Yeah. And also a lot of judgment from women who choose to wear their hair naturally. So there's a lot of strife in this kind of little community of us who are really trying to understand how to care for our hair for the first time. Right. Yes. Many of us had had relaxers since we were four, five, six, seven. Right. Yes. Yes. And never had seen our natural hair, never had cared for our natural hair. Maybe we remember like I remember my natural hair when I was younger before I got a relaxer. And I remember the strife of getting my hair done. Uh, And and I remember that pain. And then that kind of you relive that that when you when you start this journey of natural hair. Because no one ever taught you how to do your natural hair. Right. Um, and so we're all trying to struggling and all trying to find all the best products to use, which products to use, what do I make at home, all of this. And it just seemed like I wanted, I wanted a brand to kind of feel like fresh and breathing new life and a new kind of beginning for natural hair at the time. And then... Fast forward to 2018, Uzima still has this meaning and and even now has this meaning of kind of breathing life into your hair, Um, but it takes an even more kind of critical meaning because we're now really focused on the part of the hair that is alive, which is the follicle. The follicle, yeah. And the follicle, that's that's the part of, of your hair that we can actually do anything about right eating better will help your your follicle 
Um, keeping your scalp free of inflammation will help your follicles. So it really right. takes an even more deeper meaning when we start focusing on the scalp first, right? Because right. now it's really about literally uh, giving life to your hair um, in, in a way, right? Even though hair is, is actually dead. Um, but where it is alive and where we can actually impact what will happen when it comes out of our scalp is really kind of what we want to nurture. We want to make sure that that process is kept intact so that whenever the hair emerges, what you see is your most beautiful hair, most manageable right. hair, most superlative, whatever you want to use. Um, most fabulous follicles. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Your most fabulous <laughs> follicles because that breeds your most fabulous hair. I love that. That's right. right. Yes. Um, and so you may it have takes it. on this really kind of crucial meaning and, and, and it really just embodies kind of how I think about what I want my products to do. Um, and so it's really vitality. It's really wellness. It's bringing Black women into this wellness space as well. Um, so it's, it just means lots of things for, for me personally, but then also for the brand. That's right. And it also, from my perspective, um, asks you to reclaim the inherent power, you know, that rests in your head and on your head. I, I yes. absolutely love that. It's very intentional. Now, you mentioned earlier that you are an ingredients nerd, just like I am. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. of course, of course, as I was, you know, buying your products, of course, I went to the ingredients list and was very, very impressed. So thank you for that. What thank would you, you say is so unique about your formulations? Yeah. So I think at the top, uh, uh, I mentioned that our formulations are multi multifunctional. So the first yes. intent for me was not to create a line for damaged hair, a line for frizzy hair, a line for uh, color treated hair. I wanted to create products that you could use regardless of the state of your hair. Mm -hmm. um, and so in thinking about one, the functional ingredients, how do I get ingredients that will do all of these things it will help with all of these things at once. And so uh, a unique feature of many of our ingredients is that they are multi-beneficial. And so it's really, I'd like to say it's kind of like inception, um, the way that I've, that I've kind of created these. We have multifunctional ingredients creating multi-benefit products that also are multifunctional. Um, and so the way I source ingredients, we really focus on renewability. Um, yes. And so we're taking both from na nature and from science and finding what are these ingredients that can give us the benefits we're looking for that are not coming at a huge cost to the environment and are not sure. coming at a huge cost to the people in the locales where the, these folks, where these ingredients are sourced, harvested, etc. Um, and so for us, you'll see a lot of natural ingredients because I love, I love nature. Um, beauty rituals in Africa really come from nature. Um, yes. and, and so I really wanted to emphasize that as part of, of our product offering. 
So you'll see lots of oils from Africa, rare ones that you typically also don't see in hair care, South America, India. And in, in terms of sourcing these ingredients, I looked at kind of where are the communities of color around the world? Where mm -hmm. do they live? And we find so much richness from all across kind of this band of, of our planet that really encompasses where a lot of the peoples of color live. And I really kind of wanted to bring that into the story. So we we have, you know, our botanicals from Africa, Baobab, which is tree of life, which has yes. our our um our our leave-in conditioner intently chosen one because I grew up eating um baobab flesh as a treat. Um wow. and I only only recognized that it was baobab last year <laughs> because we didn't call it that. We didn't call yes. it that. And only when I saw it again and I saw it referred to as baobab, I was I was shocked. But these these botanicals both nourish us um, internally and provide um, beauty care uh, to communities um, all around Africa. And it's the same thing in when you go to um, Central and South America. It's the same thing when you go to um, the, um, the Asian continent. Mm -hmm. A lot of beauty rituals also come from the food we eat. Of Rice, very popular in China and Japan also a, a hugely popular cosmetic ingredient. And so I really wanted to kind of bring that into, into the ingredient story. And then second, I think one of the unique features and something that I'm really passionate about um, is biotechnology. And so yes. we, we see biotechnology. So many people may be afraid, like, what does biotechnology mean? Um, and why is it in my products? Um, Biotechnology has been around us for a long time. Um, Very long time. We've, we've been using biotechnology to make bread, to make uh, wine, food. beer, yeah. um, to make food, right? Fermentation, one biotechnology, has been with us for a long, long time. And we really like these ingredients that are born out of biotech because they give us this promise of kind of conserving the planet's resources as well exactly. as finding unique um, benefits from, from plants. So right. not just the straight extract, but when you ferment something, you change its composition in a way. You amplify things, you um, increase um, kind of different components, you might reduce different components. So there's a lot of flexibility in biotechnology, and I love that. And for me, incorporating those kinds of ingredients not only elevates the product offering because you don't see a lot of products um, that are catered to, to textured hair really incorporating these new advances in cosmetic science, but we're also not just putting in an ingredient for an ingredient's sake, we are also making sure that the benefit that they're providing is what's needed in the product. Um, and so we are relying a lot on biotechnology also to future-proof our, our, our products as well. So as the world, you know, hopefully when we move in mass to divest from fossil fuels right. and to create kind of a better future for us and for our children, 
we are going to have to reformulate a lot of ingredients. We're going to have to reformulate a lot of cosmetic products. Right. Um, already that's happening and it's happening. It's of course slower. Um, there's a lot of time to prove these technologies out and it's more expensive. So it is understandable that not many brands are choosing to invest in this, but we chose to invest in it because we can see a future when we won't have to reformulate our products to be able to meet the consumer um, demand that is now starting to focus more on sustainability, that's now starting to focus on not just am I buying a product that works, but is this product going to be damaging to the environment? Um, and so for us, biotechnology is that kind of beacon of hope, and we hope that more brands start to kind of invest in this technology because it will make it cheaper and more accessible for everyone. That's a perfect segue to my next question because the beauty industry has definitely been accused of being unfriendly to the earth. I mean, to say the least, right? That's a nice way of saying it. Would you say that your investment with your product line in biotechnology is one of the ways that you are addressing the sustainability concern? Absolutely. Um, so because we are really choosing to rely a lot less on ingredients that are made um, with fossil fuel inputs, we are right. kind of allowing the consumer to not um, contribute to the environmental damage in that way. Right. So we're offering an option that is a little bit more conscious. We're also um, packaging in um, packaging that is recyclable and is um, you know, is not contributing more to, you know, as much to the, to the plastic problem that we're experiencing today. So right. all of these kind of investments that we're making, um, kind of as a brand from the beginning are hoping to move the needle and hoping to show consumers that it is possible. You can have a more, uh, a more earth-friendly product and you can have a more earth-friendly product that works. Um, and so how do we move kind of that needle and, and for the industry, um, really kind of showing as an example what's possible, right? It's still very challenging for small yes. brands to afford sustainable um, packaging because it's more expensive, um, yes. ironically. Um, and so um, as more brands start investing um, in these areas that kind of will democratize access to these to these products. And for me, it's really important that I had done that from the beginning, because I, again, forward thinking, what do I want my brand to be in 10 years, in 20 years? And I want the legacy of having been able to create more sustainable products so that when everyone else is scrambling, we're moving yeah. forward. But that forward think and the sustainability, addressing the sustainability issue and creating a legacy that, you know, anticipation and planning for that, all of that comes at a price. And to your point, the investment in and of itself, just in the biotechnology is quite expensive and therefore would be perhaps cost prohibitive or certainly challenging to say the least for a small brand to be able to participate in that. But nonetheless, it is important. And for a number of reasons, um, I think it is worthwhile and beneficial, and I congratulate you for thinking about that and incorporating it at an early age. 
But keeping that in mind and being the businesswoman that you are and knowing that, you know, the ROIs and the P&Ls and all these costs and numbers and all those things you have to think about, the numbers, how, with keeping all those things in mind, how did you determine your price points? Did you want to be mass prestige or mass deeds? Did you want to have everyone be able to, you know, have access to your products? How did you determine, how did you figure out your ideal consumer and what price point he, she, they, whatever pronoun you want to use respectfully, how would, did you know that they would pay that price? Yeah. So a number of things. So through, through market research, um, so we try to understand what are people using, um, like who are the competitors in this space um, from a consumer standpoint. Um, so we used that data point. Um, mm. And then we also used, so I also used kind of, okay, what is the cost of making this product really? Um, and this effective product that has better for you, better for your scalp ingredients, et cetera. There's that cost, of course, to, to of think course. about. Right. But more, more importantly, and I think this was really what solidified my positioning um, in the marketplace, we had a focus group um, um, uh, early on in, in, in the development process. And what I learned in, from, from the ladies who we spoke to was that there is this kind of wanting to be included in premium spaces. And the luxury space, absolutely. Um, Black women are already spending money on premium skincare, right? Many, many of us are. And premium fashion. And premium fashion, yes. And premium luxury lifestyle, right? Yes, premium travel, not, all of it. We're not finding products that cater to our hair in those spaces. Mm-hmm. And what I heard from my from my audience was I would love to see that. I would love to be able to buy that product. But I, all I see are these products that are not made for me. Mm-hmm. And that is what solidified our positioning. So the beauty because is that you found... Fa- yes, oh, you found... Ahead. The beauty of that is that you found the white space for black and brown folks. <laughs> yes. So the brown space, right? Um, and it was, it, it was just so so strong and I felt it so strongly and the, and the feedback came with um, some not so great feedback, right? We yes, were actually talking about our, our branding, our kind of visual design of our packaging. And the women said, it's beautiful, but it doesn't look like it was made for me. Wow. Yeah. That's a re-education though. <laughs> right. And so even when I, like my mood board, if you had seen what my mood board looked like at the time with that packaging, it was the, um, the African plain, the baobab tree mm. um, at twilight, right? At this kind of in-between time in the day, at the, at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day, where day turns into night, night turns into day. Yeah. And anything can happen, right? Like it's it it just Magic. feels like this the promise of tomorrow. Yeah, the and promise of a new day. Like, 
Exactly. And I felt it was so beautiful. I felt it captured this kind of feeling that I wanted uh, my audience to feel. And while they kind of resonated with that and felt that it was beautiful, they didn't feel like it was for them. Interesting. And that was my mandate, even though they they knew that it, you know, it was a, a hair care brand for texture mm, care. Mm. Um, and so my mandate and the mandate of my team, my design um, folks that I was that I was uh, working with was to figure out what does what does a luxury or a premium experience feel like and what does it look like from a black woman's perspective? Um, how do I, in my packaging, show you right away that right. this was made for you? With you in um, mind, yeah. Exactly. And so so that's 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 really kind of how we, we decided that our prices would be set. And our, our price is actually more competitive than, um, you know, the Oribes of the world and the kind of these higher end, higher ending uh, products while also being really good and healthy for you, right? And so really meeting that medium. And then also knowing that our products go a long way because mm -hmm. I intended to do that, right? I didn't want people to keep buying lots of products all the time, right? right. Only buy the product when you need the product. And our leave-in conditioner is lasting quite a long time. Um, and so given the value of longevity, the mm. positioning, and the the kind of the quality of ingredients, this is how we came to this price point and really focused on this woman who not only feels in general that her hair is being left behind, and even more specifically, her scalp is being left behind, mm -hmm. but she's also feeling left behind when it comes to clean beauty, premium beauty. And so that also then became part of Uzima's mission, um, which is not unlike the, the kind of inclusivity um, mission within the beauty industry that I want to do. It's just that mirror, right? It's the other side of the same coin, right? Okay. Now, speaking when, when of... When our industry... Sorry. No, Sorry. go ahead. When your industry... Yes. Yeah. When our industry is not really reflecting who's consuming the products, we want to reflect who's consuming our products so they feel attracted to this space. Now, I assume you're collecting all of this data. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Miss, Miss Beauty Techie. <laughs> now, speaking of, speaking of price points, and this is a yes or no um, question, um, essentially it, it, it asks you how you funded your venture. Did you self-fund or did you have to find external sources? So you could say yes, self-fund or no self external. Yes, good for you. Congratulations. That is also very difficult, but I understand why you're keeping your day job. <laughs> Very important. Well, this has been absolutely inspiring, fascinating, so educational, and I'm very happy for you and very proud of you. What Thank is you. You're welcome. What is next for you and the brand? Do you plan to expand the line? Do you plan to sort of slightly pivot and do skincare? What's next for you and Uzima? Yeah. So we have a pipeline of about, I think, six more hair care products. Um, so we're focusing on now creating our cleansing, 
uh, products, cleansing and conditioning. So your wash day essentials, and then your styling products. So that's kind of what I'm focusing on right now. Um, and then we have a holiday gift set coming out um, uh, for, for the holidays in time for um, folks to um, gift themselves or right. friends and loved ones um, to kind of begin the Uzima journey. So it's going to be a really beautiful package um, with uh, a kind of deluxe size travel size samples of all our products. Um, and that will invite more folks to kind of try us um, and experience, you know, what these rituals and this new kind of hair care um, is all about. Um, and then, uh, you know, long-term goals, um, I'm seeking, of course, to, to, to raise money uh, down the line. So really preparing myself for that, learning a lot. Um, in doing that and really expanding my knowledge um, in this in this space. Um, it's been quite an interesting uh, start <laughs> so far, um, at times very overwhelming, but still um, still very useful. So I'm, I'm, I'm in that. Um, and I'm also in an, an, a number of mentorship programs um, that are helping me through a bunch of different um, business uh, areas, which I'm really um, grateful for um, having been included in, in selection for those programs. Um, and, and then just kind of being more like for Uzima, we really are focused on creating more educational content really around scalp and hair and hair routines. Um, and so really trying to deliver value to, to, to our customers in that way and building our community. So that's what we'll be focusing on next. Beautiful. What a very, what an exciting future you have, Ms. Dundee. Thank you. I'm very, very excited. <laughs> and I am sad and at the same time excited that our podcast is coming to an end. But the exciting part is that you get to tell me what your Fab five tips are, meaning your fabulous five recommendations for living a beautiful and, of course, fabulous life. I will write these down. Yes. Number one is sleep. Oh. <laughs> sleep. Um, when I don't sleep, I'm not my best. Um, and it's probably the most challenging thing to do when you're an entrepreneur um, is I'm sleep. Sure. So yes, definitely course. sleeping. Um, surrounding yourself with people who support you. Um, oh, yes. I think that it's it cannot be overstated how much in this journey, how much mm. alone time you have. You have a lot of alone time. No one around you, maybe in your family, has done this before. Mm -hmm. You're doing it all on your own. And it's really challenging. So finding like minds, finding people who understand what you're going through. It doesn't have to be the same industry. It doesn't have to be, this has to be someone who's building. Anyone who's building has the same exact needs as the next person who's building. And <laughs> yes. we often are helping each other out, thinking through problems, solving problems, et cetera. And so that, finding people who support you. Um, Number three. Drinking water. Oh, <laughs> I'm not really yes. good at that and I'm practicing, but drinking water, I think is another one. And then finding, finding the things that make you happy. I think, yes. I think too often we do things that 
we think society might want us to do or we think our parents want us to do. Um, and I think finding the thing, even in the, a sea of challenges, finding the thing that you love to do that you can switch off and just focus on. For me, that's reading about ingredients. Um, for <laughs> other people, it could be something else. And so really finding that thing where you feel like you're benefiting and you're growing and you're sitting still and yeah, yeah. kind of taking care of yourself. So that could be your spa day on Sunday. That could It could be anything, but the thing that brings you joy, I think keeping that um, close to the heart. And okay. then number five for, for, for entrepreneurs specifically, I think what keeps us all grounded is knowing why we started our businesses and mm. keeping that at the very center of everything. I've only been in market for, I think now eight, nine months. Yes. And it, within those nine months, there's already been an exponential number of challenges. And if it was not for me remembering and really being convicted in why I am doing this and the reason for Uzima to exist, I probably would have crumbled in those nine months. Wow. Um, and so just knowing that you're the one who is uniquely qualified to start this business and why you started this business, I think is the best thing. It's the best armor. It's the best comfort. It's the best problem solver um, when you're experiencing these huge ups and downs. Um, I don't think I've ever experienced the roller, this kind of roller coaster before in my life. Um, at the end of the day, it's very rewarding. Um, when I talk to people like you, when I hear from my customers, it's very rewarding to have people interested in what I'm doing and supporting what I'm doing. But in order to realize that, you really have to focus on why you're doing it because the challenges are incredible and the only way to only way to get past them is through them with the support of people who you have around you well done i'm a fan congratulations <laughs> wow hashtag amazing leona thank you so much thank you thank you thank you for your insight your presence uh your bright spot Thank you for being here on the Forever Fab podcast. Thank you for sharing your journey. It has been inspirational as well as motivational. And I have tremendous gratitude for you and where you are as well as where you're going. Congratulations. Thank you so much uh, for having me. This was such a great conversation. I could go on forever. Um, we'll uh, have you back for sure with the next, it, with the, with, through the pipeline. <laughs> yes, I would love that. It's, it's been great speaking with you. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This brings us to the close of this week's episode of the Forever Fab Podcast with my fabulous guest, Leona Dondi, founder of Uzima. Breathe life into your hair. If you have curly, kinky, or sassy hair, I like to call it, revel in the beauty of your hair and nourish it with Uzima products. Go to uzima.co to purchase your next e absolutely illuminating hair product. 
you won't regret it. As always, if you love this episode of the Forever Fab podcast, please share it and subscribe to the feed. Listen to past episodes or check out who's coming up next on foreverfabpodcast.com. If you enjoy listening to the Forever Fab podcast and you want more, get more audio and visuals with a membership through Patreon. Choose the gold, platinum, or diamond tier for premium added content, special co-hosts, lifestyle videos, branded merchandise, and maybe even private access to my clubhouse by visiting patreon.com slash foreverfab. If you're a founder or you represent a beauty brand and you want to be featured on an episode of the Forever Fab podcast segment of 15 Minutes of Fab, send me some stuff. Visit foreverfabpodcast.com and fill out the contact form. For general holistic beauty tips or to set up an appointment with me to discuss your personalized options for leveling up your beauty, visit elementsandgraces.com and sign up for my newsletter or just give us a call. And for an online e-consultation on time, anytime, and on your time, visit clicklift.com for your wellness, plastic surgery, beauty, and wellness questions on the go. That's click, C-L-I-C-K dash lift.com. It's time for the elevated house call. Jet Set Beauty Rx offers beauty on-call services near your home or other domicile, delivering beauty in the privacy of a medically equipped mobile aesthetics unit. Reserve your appointment at jetsetbeautyrx.com. Thank you for listening to this week's Forever Fab podcast episode. Until next time, stay beautiful and fabulous inside and out. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living and all things beauty, curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD. Live beautifully and help make the world a more beautiful place.